0: Hi, this is uh, Janice from Ren Games, and over in the UK, uh, you are now listening to Legends of Tabletop.
1: Welcome everybody to Legends of Tabletop. We have a special afternoon edition today with Janice and she's over in the UK. She just finished dinner and I like just had breakfast about an hour ago. (laughs) So (laughs) welcome everybody. Thanks for coming by and checking it out. Thank you Janice for coming on today. How are you doing?
0: Thank you for having me on and I'm doing very well actually. I'm recovering well from the uh, UK Games Expo last weekend. I finally actually um, don't feel tired today.
1: Nice. no no con crud, no con crud going on
0: huh uh no fortunately not but just a slight exhaustion instead maybe no, that'll be next week yeah right yeah. <laughs> that
1: that's one of the uh, the biggest game conventions now going right I just uh, saw an update on Twitter or something they're like third biggest now
0: I uh, they're definitely growing and it's uh, they're growing every year I think first went they had like one haul then the second time went, they had two hauls they're now into three halls. uh they're growing really fast but it it still has the feeding of a smaller con it's still quite personal and nice it's it's, it's a good one I, I really like it
1: that's cool you guys have dragon meat as well right that's the other big one over there
0: uh, I've got Dragon Meat um, and Aircon, I guess, the two big ones. And then um, Tabletop Gaming Live started last year. So it's the Tabletop Gaming Magazine run one. So that's, uh grew quite big for the first one, um, but it's still not as big as the other ones. It's um, much newer.
1: Cool, cool. And I'm, I'm assuming you guys were, were showing off both uh, Assembly and Sensor Ghosts while you were there?
0: Yeah, we were uh, busy the whole weekend. We had like about a 30 minute period where we had no one at the stand over the 3 days. So um I quite like that 30 minute period. <laughs> <laughs> it it means it was an, it was an exhausting time and um we had some wonderful help this time. So it's so it's only a sort of our second time um with a stand at UK Games Expo, but yeah, we, we couldn't have done it without a helpers. It was um, amazing to the difference it made.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you get away and get something to drink, and you know, just not, not really, but it
0: meant that I wasn't sort of split between three tables.
1: Well, there you go, yeah.
0: Because we always take our kids with us. So um, my husband normally is like looking after the two kids and comes back or I have one of them around at the same time. And sort of splitting your time between introducing two different games, keeping an eye to make sure a toddler doesn't wander off and uh, making sure that the people sitting down and understand what rules that they're going going and they haven't got any problems is um, an interesting challenge. But with, with some help, it means that yeah, I could not, not have to worry about the people sitting down playing. And I just had to worry about the child and the people walking by um who just wanted to find out a bit more which made life a lot easier.
1: Nice. You had a lot of good feedback at the con?
0: Oh, we had lots of great feedback. It was um it was quite exhilarating really, probably because why I'm so exhausted this sort of adrenaline rushes, people actually this time had heard of us and coming by and said, like, Oh, I love your game. I've played it 35 times and I've won once kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was like it was great. It was really, really nice. Um compared, last year we had it was like really great because everyone enjoyed it and this year it was great because people coming back and said I've played your game loads and I have your game and it's like wow something I made people are enjoying.
1: Nice very cool. Now is sensor goes sort of set in stone, are you still kind of taking feedback when you do uh you know stuff like this uh, you know appearances at a convention are you still kind of compiling feedback at all or no?
0: Yes yes I am um if, if something, if I find out something will make it better it seems silly just to ignore it just because we're at this stage. Um, I don't think it would be sort of anything major, but sort of minor tweaks here and there. If it makes it better, it makes it better, and I'm, I'm all for that. Make the best game that we can. So, uh, yeah, we actually um, trialled a different two-player variant, so we had a a three-player variant that we sort of made after it went out to all the previewers. Um It's not hard to get three players together for, for us, unfortunately. And I was having to think about it, that we, we really enjoyed it, sort of playing the three-player one, we played it a lot of times, we thought, oh, I wonder if this could actually work for the two-player version. And so we tried it at the con with several different people, and it was just so much easier to explain, and so much easier to sort of grasp. It, it didn't have like the, the interesting complexity quite as much, but it was simpler. So we're actually thinking of now going down that avenue and then having the current version more as a sort of downloadable extra content as a different game mode. So, yeah, I was, it's, it's, it's a relatively minor change all in all, but it, it makes it more streamlined and that's important.
1: Sure, sure. Now, uh, both games, Assembly and, and Sensor Ghost, are essentially one player, two player games, right? I mean, you have sort of the expansion for for three to four, but it, at its core, it's more of a two player
0: So, yes, we design what the games I design, um, I design as a one-player first. Um, then sort of once I've got the core base mechanics there, of Stu sits down and we go through it, he tells me what's wrong, um, and then we start developing it into a two-player game. So that's why um a lot of people that have played Assembly say that the two-player feels so different to the one player, and it's a different experience because it is a different experience it went through a slightly different development process than the one player game so that that has i guess the highest level of play testing and the one and the two um then we recently introduced a three and four player version of assembly and we actually really really enjoy it it, it adds a different layer of strategy to it as well the, the questions you're asking for verification for anyone familiar with assembly if you're not that no idea what i'm talking about but Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. Great, we'll get a, there. Yeah, yeah. There's a great, um, uh, Jared of three-minute board games recently did one of the assembly. Go and watch that. It takes three minutes, 20 seconds of your time, then you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and then Ghost the we did, um, again, the one to two player, but we had a bit more time to do on the three player and it works really well. So um, we will we'll be up to four players and the two, three, and four player will have pretty much the same mechanic. But it is actually really fun it's um very enjoyable and it it's forced to be cooperative it's not like you can just sit there and play the game on your own and just do what you're doing you you will we try to force you to actually engage and do stuff and have an impact on the other players by what you do on your turn will have a direct impact on how what someone can do on their turn
1: okay cool well, so you guys are fully funded because we're, we're kind of hitting you know, sort of, the, you know, kind of the middle of the, uh, the kickstart here. So, c- congrats on that. That's awesome.
0: No, it's, it's fantastic. So, um, on assembly, it took us uh, 10 days to fund, and this time it took us five days um, with a higher goal, which is, yeah, it's, it's brilliant. We were over the moon to sort of get back home from the UK Games Expo on Sunday and sort of looked at their phones. It's like, wow, we're funded. And it's like, we just sent an email out quickly, saying, yay, we're funded, but we're exhausted. We're really sorry. We'll, we'll, we'll send something out more exciting in a couple of days. We're, we're just too exhausted at the <laughs> moment. <laughs> yeah, because you basically have a, a two hour period at the end of the expo to, to pack everything up and go. And um, kids aren't allowed in the hall. And I did uh, break down on my own and then the three hour drive home. So yeah, it was exhausting.
1: I'll bet. Yeah. Wow. Uh, well, I mean that—that's—I mean that's great, and, and it's not just so we're not looking at just a, a Kickstarter for Sensor Ghost, but also for Assembly, and then two expansions for Assembly as well. So, so what was sort of the thought behind like, hey, let's just kind of get everything going together? Is it just easier um, uh, logistically to kind of offer everything all at the same time?
0: So it is a Kickstarter technically is for sense of ghost and a assembly double expansion that will come in a single pack, but for anyone that hasn't already got assembly, then obviously you can pick that up as well. And um, the thinking behind it was, Oh my God, I really don't want to run two Kickstarters in one year.
1: <laughs> That's fair.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I thought it probably it's the same audience. It, it may or may not, for better or worse, um, it's it's a well, lot of the things we do is it's about fitting around life and about it, it working for us so last time we launched a kickstarter campaign not because we had all the right numbers of people and followers and everything else but it was the right time for us and we could put the best in it at that time and it's the same here running two campaigns with two young children and working it's just too much and i think it also is it's just there's too many going out there so i'd much rather people just pick and choose what they want from this campaign and then you've also got the advantage of it all being done together in the same factory at the same time. It should all be hopefully ready for Essen as well. Um, it just it just made a lot more sense. It's more efficient um, to get it all done together as it, yeah, it, it just made life a lot easier. True. Exactly. And um, I'm all for making life a lot easier. And mm-hmm. it, we also sort of we actually ran things um round saying, "Would you prefer two separate campaigns sort of split apart or one together?" and I said, we'd well, much rather one one together and I think a main driver for backers was shipping yeah. because actually yeah. shipping is a considerable cost against the game, and the games are actually well at least our games are pretty light, and so putting two together is actually not really going to increase shipping very much because it's still probably going to be like three quarters of a kilo, put 0.7 kilos or something. I've, I've no idea what that is in pounds, sorry. But, <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's a really light package. So just having two of them is, is not going to be much, but it's that initial bit that's what costs money. So um, yeah, we, we ran some numbers, we thought about it and um, it worked out, I think best just to do it all together. And it it felt really worrying to do it because you have a higher goal and then there's also well what if everyone wants one and not the other one and that sort of thing but we seem to have a relatively even split between the two so um yeah it's, it's going all right and i think we made the right call and uh if we haven't well we'll live with it
1: right. <laughs> well, i think you guys are okay you're already funded so you're, you're doing <laughs> something right That <laughs> you guys manufacture in germany right
0: yeah we do um i i decided that uh it was a lot easier to manufacture in Germany. They're in the same time zone. And I got a lot of Chinese quotes. They're often slow to respond. They had all little extra bits and pieces hidden down on the bottom in the footnotes of the quote, um, which didn't actually then necessarily make them that much cheaper. And then you've got all the sort of the product testing and everything else with the German factory that it comes with a certain degree of that already and so there's just all these different sort of guarantees it's faster a lot faster um so we 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 finished our first campaign in uh, end of june last year and it, the first backers got it in late november of the same year nice um and that was with about a between four and six week delay of me getting the files in because was in the car accident so it was like a amazingly fast turnaround really and i think the last backers got it in the february just due to we had like a a massive stock loss two pallets of our stuff went missing so um
1: wow
0: (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) so there was a slight delay in the last ones that if they whoever hadn't got their stuff sent out before the stock went missing um uh, yeah there was a bit of delay until it got found again Sure. But, yeah we still got it delivered in what the, yeah well under a year
1: oh yeah, nice and the, I guess you guys have stricter like safety standards like board game testing and all that kind of stuff so i uh, I guess doing that in Germany then sort of kind of keeps you on the same field then or the um the uh sort of the uh, requirements and stuff similar across uh the U- not just the uk but uh, the the European Union then
0: Yes. Yeah, so all the EU have uh, what's called CE marking for toys and games. So anything's uh, aimed at an uh, audience who have less than 14 or could be aimed at an audience than 14 requires CE marking um, and EN 71. And um, the factories uh, in Europe mostly have each set of components that they produce. They generally have um, a standard set. So rather than I design the box and they go and create a tool, they have a catalog of boxes and mm. they have all the tools and I pick the one I want. They have the inks and everything tested to ESMT1 on a regular basis on a batch level. So I know that I've got the certainty that what I'm getting is meeting ESMT1 because they're doing all the internal checks already. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, it makes life a lot easier. And it, it sort of gives me a confidence and that what I'm getting is all suitable, and there's going to be no surprises. Um, and it just, it lowers risk. I mean, I'm a project manager in my background and if I can lower risk, I mean, it It costs a little bit more. But I think ultimately on a small box game like this, where it's, I think, like, assembly is like 190 grams. And I think we're predicting that Sensor Ghost will be about 300 grams. The shipping from China as it's the initial, again, it's that initial bed is quite expensive, but I just need a lorry from Germany now. And that's so much cheaper. It's like a 10th of the cost that bit and, and a small manufacturer run. that's a significant part of the cost.
1: Now sorry I get, i'm getting
0: all project managing
1: here <laughs> no, that's that's fine and I'm, I'm interested in it because it's, it's the kind of stuff that you don't really think about when you know you see something on Kickstarter and you're like oh that looks cool i want to buy it and they're like oh yeah. the shipping is this and that and people complain but like you know to kind of sort of get some of this inside baseball i'm like you know why decisions are made and how things are shipped and all yeah. that stuff i, I you know as, as someone who plays games is interesting
0: yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, like, we get everything shipped to the UK and then we ship from the UK to worldwide because it's cheaper than sending a pallet to the US. I mean, I was looking at like the USPS postal rates and stuff, and it's only like an extra couple of pounds more to ship from the UK than it is from within the US. And it's like, oh, well, what's the point? It's just, ship it from the uk because then you don't have the cost of sending a pallet as well of stuff and then paying for someone else to unload the pallet and prepare it all and have two different suppliers it just if it was like two times it would make a difference but it's like maybe a 20 percent cost difference on the raw postage excluding all the other costs around it right yeah so okay. yeah, yeah. There you go. Sorry, more project management stuff.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess the nice thing too with the instability now with you know trade wars and other nonsense going on over here, I guess then that none of that stuff affects you guys with with you know current Kickstarters going on. Uh, you know, we we're have, friends with the guys over we have at Think Brexit Twelve. Well, you do have that then, yeah. Um, yeah,
0: so I've got all the sort of the complications about that what happens um my, my biggest thing at the moment is like if we exit the customs union and I've just paid a load of VAT on stuff that I haven't delivered and then I send it from the UK to the EU, they're going to get charged VAT again. Yeah. It probably won't happen like that because no one's going to be that organized and happen immediately, but there's all sorts of strange things that could happen, but as we imagine by factory in Germany, it's just get a fulfillment center in Germany and ship the rest back to the UK that aren't going there. So, um, because we're, sh- because we're making it in Germany, it means that it's a really simple plan B.
1: Yeah. 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 And, and, uh, you know, to, not to completely derail, but how's all that stuff going on right now? Like I, I only catch bits and pieces of it. Um, what, and, Brexit. And yeah, I, I see quite a bit of it on, on Twitter because we've got, you know, followers. If all I could over, bash my true.
0: head against a wall. <laughs> 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 I would. But it's, it's 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 awful. It's disappointing. Um, yeah, it's just. Is uh, it, know, it it's up up in like, the air? Or? It's no. It's just sort of the politics all around it, and uh, I'm sure we'll be a laughing stock in a year's time, if not sooner um yeah so we just had like european elections and like if you look at the brexit party's logo they literally have brexit and an arrow so that right next to the voting box it was an arrow with brexit next to it and then the and party tiny it was like really really clever graphic design amazingly clever graphic design um but it just meant that yeah it was, it's, it's just <laughs> awful but at least like this time round I actually got to vote for the party that I wanted to always vote for and my vote counted it was just like because we because basically it's first past the post here and um and I get all political aren't I <laughs> and uh yeah the, the EU ref- the EU um MEP election is um uh, sort of like more of a proportional rep- representation so it actually meant like your vote felt more like it counted because there's much more variety of the MEPs getting seats. Okay, good. But no, well, yeah, good. no, yeah, I, I just want to bury my head in the sand for the Brexit and hope for it will blow over and some common sense will materialise at some point. Things that's my forth, hope. Right? I don't think it will happen, not with um, the new party leader. who will be, a, yeah, an unelected prime minister again.
1: Hmm fantastic
0: yeah yes I, just, I prefer putting put my head in the sand right now
1: Yeah. yeah. it's too depressing but that's what it's like here too yeah. it's just easier to turn the TV off and just kind of like eh.
0: yeah if we only we could put, put, get all the politicians together put them on a rocket and shoot them into outer space and um, yeah infect them with a deadly virus and none of them survive that would be much better yeah. <laughs> the computer <laughs> succeeds perhaps Right.
1: <laughs> well you know the crazy thing like I, so we don't do politics on the show very much but you know the, the crazy thing is you know be, because of the way media works and social media works and stuff you know they focus on on the two extremes of, of either party or parties or whatever you have going on but you know if you take people that disagree on on whatever topics you could set 95 percent of people down together and be like oh, i don't like this and i don't like that but just sit and have a conversation you could come up with real solutions and they just you know they don't want that ah, it's just it's crazy it's so frustrating yeah
0: i know it's, it's, it is really frustrating but unfortunately uh those extreme views are what gets media attention and it's what makes it interesting and it's all becoming more of a theatre rather than common sense and uh, also maybe also a bit of an ego trip and and about career rather than about what's best for the country and that's more of why wanting to put the head in the sand is that it's the people and the way they're going about the politics rather than actually having a common sense approach and... Yeah, that would be so much better. It'd be a refreshing breath of fresh air if someone came and had like a common sense approach to it all, and looked at what could be done, and ha- ha- did a proper analytical, didn't lie. Ugh, I'm dreaming. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's monster. <laughs> yeah, I'm right? just
0: totally dreaming. <laughs> but no, it's um, I've uh, yeah, I, I was really motivated and interested in politics a number of years ago, and it's just been going downhill to the point that. It just—it's just depressing to listen to. Just in yeah. what's going on, but uh, yeah, we've got to live with what what happens and um, do what you can in the meantime.
1: Yep. All right. So, so censor ghosts, huh?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Politics to censor ghosts. Um,
1: so, so the interesting—the games are are both games are really interesting. Um, you know, you have this sort of, you know. Crazy puzzle-based things that are shifting, and you're and you're selecting and shifting. So, so why don't you kind of give us a rundown on both of the games so people know what what they're looking at when they when they hit the Kickstarter and they go and they order Sensor Ghosts.
0: So um, Assembly is really hard to describe, but someone described it as like a Rubik's Cube in board game form, and I think that's probably the closest description I've got. Is actually you've got in the games we have like start with a really simple premise. And then, which makes it sound really boring, but then we put lots of theme and sort of strategy things on top. So in assembly, you're literally getting the right token on the right card, but we were gonna make your life difficult. It's not gonna be easy. So there you go. That's my, my like 10 second pitch for assembly. Um, and it has a, an interesting circular layout as well, which is always seems to catch attention. Um, and the outline is basically you've got to build a spaceship to escape. And so the the tokens are your basically your parts of your spaceship or your remodules and the cards, your requirements, because uh, I'm a project manager and you need requirements. And uh, <laughs> that's what your ship's going to look like and you've got to somehow get it on there. But um, it, it's like everything moves or nothing moves and you're limited by how much time you have. And obviously your requirements change in the middle of the game several times. Uh, sensor ghosts. Slightly easier to describe, it's, um, it's a grid, uh, which sounds really dull, and it's you've got to go from A to B, you've literally just got to get it from A to B, but that's, that's, that's the, the dull bit. The, the interesting bit is, if you think about space, it's moving, stuff isn't stationary out there, and so the game reflects that, in that things are moving. And then also that pesky computer from Assembly has managed to get on board, and you're looking at your sensor screen, and she's basically making you see a lie and what you think is there isn't necessarily there and you've got to work hard to actually work out what is there and remember what actually is there and so you get to manipulate your environment and you've got to create a safe path from the bottom left hand corner of the grid to the top right hand corner of the grid on the underneath side of the cards but the cards can flip multiple times but it's always what is currently on the underneath side that is what you interact with and so the top is really basically a red herring at any one point so yeah you've got to create a safe path on the bottom of the cards and you've got to go from a to b in a ever-changing ever-shifting environment and um we have got some insta-death in there that some people like and some don't but we'll have an easy mode which means that you don't have to have insta-death in there if you don't want to so we do like to have lots of scaling, lots of variety, lots of different things that you can do rather than it just being, this is the game and you just play it this way all the time. It's like, this is the game. If you want to make it easy, do this. If you want to make it harder, do that. If you want some extra strategy, do this. And we do all these little bits and pieces just to try and make it have that longevity as well. And so you don't get bored of it.
1: Right. And, and it's the, that shifting. So you have a couple of memory cubes as well. So if you have a horrible memory like I do, you can kind of tag you know, certain tiles to be like, okay, the back side so, of it. So interestingly, is terrible.
0: yeah, it's like interesting that the, the cards, they have, a, I call them a back and a front because um, they are back and a front in setup, and then after that, it's a top and a bottom, really. So in setup, you have a back and a front, and the backs are slightly different to the front. So other than the fact that the back is up pretty much a different card to the front, but you can tell which is the back of the card and which is the front of the card. So each time you flip it an odd number of times, you know you've flipped it. And so there's a real strategy about what you flip. And then all you have to do is remember your strategy and the, rather than the cards. Because if you do that, then you don't have to remember what every single card is because you know which cards you flipped, And if you know what you're flipping and why you're flipping it, you know what those cards are. But there will be exceptions, which is where the memory cubes come in. So those exceptions of your memory card cubes, at least in my book, that's my suggestion, is that those are your exceptions or the really bad ones that you really don't want to go there. You get three of them and they are single use in standard difficulty and just three at any one time in sort of easy mode. Um, but yeah, so they're, they're, they're there just to help with the exceptions to absolutely minimise the amount of memory. And you very much chunk up the in the grid as well. You're probably only looking at two rows ahead, three rows ahead at any time, and only a certain few cards. Whoops, go to screen together. <laughs> you're only looking at a, a few cards. So you're at any one time, I'd say you're not really interested in much more than two to four cards. And so in a four-player game, that's one card each. In a two-player game, player game, that's two cards each. In a one-player game, where well, you're probably going to chunk up a little bit slower, but you get a few extra cards to cater for that. So you're probably looking at maybe two to three cards, which hopefully shouldn't tax you too much, but just enough to make it interesting. Cool.
1: Um, then had you guys planned on a follow-up to it? Like, you know, usually, you know, like something assembly will come out and then it'll be like, okay, cool, this was good. And you know, we'll do some expansions and we'll kinda like, you know, play around in that universe a little bit more. But you, like a whole new game as a follow up as opposed to just an expansion. Was that the plan all along, or did just kind of like, you know, come up organically after the after the first Kickstarter?
0: Yeah, it came out organically, really. So a couple of the backers said, uh, are you going to do a sequel to assembly? And we said, well, that'd be be quite fun. That gives us a nice sort of concept and confines to design a game within. And um, given that it's just sort of less than 30 minutes, they're not a huge burden either in terms of both Design, play testing, and just Johnny playing afterwards. So, um, yeah, we just thought that was like a really good challenge that set the boundaries and it was something that was fun to do. Um, but I also had a few ideas for an expansion for assembly as well. But they're, they're quite simple and small small in terms of, I guess, the physical form of it, even if they've changed the game quite considerably. Um, but yeah, it came up. They both came out, and we didn't really want to ditch either of them, so we just thought, let's do them both together then. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> why, throw, why throw a perfectly good idea in the bin or just delay it just for the sake of delaying it? Um us get it out there and move on to something else because I've, I have a very sort of strict thing that I try to – if I start something, I finish it, and I don't really want to have too many things on the go. And so either it's parked and it's not being worked on or it's being worked on. And i have like sort of like one small sort of expansion thing and one game I think is more than enough. Otherwise, you just end up not finishing anything.
1: That, that's me.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I used to be like that. And then I just basically I got my prototypes and I chose which ones to go forward with. And I parked all the rest. And they're in a drawer waiting for attention. And I want to get onto them, but I'm not letting myself because it, 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 it's just can't. It's just a, it's just a time sink you have to. I have to focus.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's too easy to get distracted with a hundred other things.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's fun as well those hundred other things. Much more fun than what you're currently doing. Right. But you yeah, know, I've, I've I've wrapped them all up, and um, yeah, I'm I've, I've actively stopping myself working on them.
1: All right, and and the art is really cool. It's, it's vibrant, right? And it, and it does kind of give you like a sense of claustrophobia, like you're sort of looking at like a space. I don't know. You call it a space porthole, I guess, where yeah. you can see like bits and pieces of things, sort of like coming through like the sensor. That's a really neat uh, aesthetic.
0: Yeah. So I wanted it to be. A, I mean, both the the artwork and assembly is relatively distinctive. It doesn't sort of follow the path of um, most board games, I and mean, we wanted the same for Sensor Ghosts, um, and came across this artwork and uh, absolutely loved it, and always always also wanted a bit more of a Tron theme kind of feel to it as well, which is where the, the, the vibrant colours and the lines and that side of it comes from, it's sort of a, a mixture between Ink and Tron. I guess is the way to describe the artwork and it it seems to work surprisingly well and given that it's all about having dodgy sensors having something that isn't completely distinctive as in what it physically what it is being completely clear but it being distinctive from all the other cards and you can see what it is is yeah it fits very well thematically and um quite pleased at how well it's turned out.
1: Now, are those co- are the colors in the game colorblind friendly, or do you have like little indicators, marks on the cards for people who may? So
0: they should be colorblind friendly, but either way, we we'll have we have icons as well. Um, just to make absolutely sure so we have found that the sort of the backs and fronts are not quite distinctive enough for colorblind at the moment and we'll be putting through the color, colorblind filters again before going out so there'll probably be some more tweaks to the colors um, and just probably make them a bit more vibrant than they currently are and increase contrast and little things like that but um, yeah they will be colorblind friendly and if uh, all go all fails there will be icons too so yeah we'll cover all everything because some people might just not be able to see it properly but it is sort of partially sighted and then at least if you've got the icon and they can see the icon they can make that out then they should be sorted
1: cool very cool um going back to the the kickstarter specifically you have a couple of uh stretch goals up and you know they're not really sexy but The the stretch goals for, you know, quality upgrade stuff, I just love on a Kickstarter so much, you know, heavier cards, you know, thicker cardboard stock for, you know, for um, tiles and things like that. It's, you know, it's not, hey, you're going to get 14 extra cards and you're going to get these minis and you're going to get all this stuff, but like you're going to get a better quality game. And I just, I, as a game player, appreciate that so much more. So I'm glad to say
0: We've very much sort of we we can add lots of extra stuff in. I mean, we've got some other ones lined up, which will be like extra rolls and various other bits and pieces. And we've got a like a mini expansion that if we do really well, we can add into. If not, then it'll be this time next year it comes out instead. Um, but yeah, the the quality I think is is important, and we could try and compete on lots of different levels. But I think as a an indie publisher, quality is something that is worth being something to stand out for. And we like good game quality. I mean, the, our demo games, we take them there, we use them so that they, for the weekend, they got, I use, I don't know how many times, but constantly for the three days, um, being handled by different people. All I need to do is take a baby wipe, wipe the back of them, and they're as good as new. I mean, what more could you ask for? If I can use a demo copy for hundreds of times over a weekend, how many plays are you going to get before they start looking a bit shabby? Without sleeving them, it's um, yeah. So it's important to us, and it's a way to stand out, and it feels good. And board games are tactile, and mm. uh, it's the nature of the tactile feeling of the game. So if you want, you want it to feel good because you're interacting, you're playing with it, and that is part of the enjoyment process. Oh, but absolutely. yeah, so yeah, so yeah, so you're right, they're, they're not super sexy goals, but they're they're realistic. They make the game better for everyone, and um, doing exclusives is just ridiculously sort of expensive that it would just add so much to the campaign and complexity to the campaign that it's just in my book not really worth it for you gain it's like if everyone gets it or no one gets it really um but as i said we've got we've got other bits and pieces lined up if if we suddenly manage to take off and do really well but in the meantime we've got some interesting quality stuff lined up which um will enhance your overall experience of the game cool and make it last for ages as well
1: right right yeah. Cause it, it's the kind of thing like, you know, I, I play with my daughter and boyfriend, you know, and it's kind of thing like, well, these will all be yours someday. <laughs> you <know? laughs> if you want them, of course, you know, yeah. but uh, yeah. Cause it, it's one of those things that, you know, it's like investing in, in books and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you, you know, I do hardback books, right. Cause they look nice and they last longer and it's, you know, it, it's just, you know, it's, it's a tactile feel and it, yeah, it's just, yeah, I don't know.
0: <laughs> Double, but double-sided Robo Meeples—that's a cool stretch girl, isn't it?
1: The Robo Meeples are so cool. The <laughs> little graphics are so neat.
0: <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I have to sort of make sure they're absolutely perfect for the print and get the lines more right. But they're, they're sort of like a draft design. But um, yeah, the the sort of the second stretch goal is actually making them double-sided rather than single-sided and there's a a slight secret if we go double-sided we switch from ink printing to debossed so where they actually impression into the wood and that actually means that we can probably speed up delivery by about a month as well so that actually is like a major major stretch goal it's not only double-sided it's also an improvement in the quality of the meeple and it also potentially increases delivery time uh, reduces delivery time so um that's actually quite big Cool. I really, I really want to get to that one because I, I want my little double-sided Robo Meeples. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is very cool. Uh, so, how much of your project manage- project management experience plays into the the game side of things?
0: Into the game or the game the manufacturer? Well, I guess yeah. I mean,
1: overall, right? So, not so much in the game play, I guess, but um, in dealing with Kickstarter and and all that kind of stuff.
0: I think in terms of dealing with Kickstarter, because I, I did a lot of um, product management as well as project management. So I, I did a lot of the, the marketing side of things on um, sort of bringing something to life and filling it out. So I say it, it plays a lot into it. I felt a lot more confident. I wasn't starting from nothing. And also, like talking to manufacturers and suppliers was something I did loads already, so it didn't feel strange. And about specifying, didn't feel strange. And learning all the terms, I think my first time around the amount of card samples that I had was huge. <laughs> Testing them all, looking at all the quality. No, this one's no good. This one's no good. Ah, oh, this one's good. I like that one. So yeah, I got so many different card samples and um, ripped them all up and so on. But uh, yeah, I think it plays a lot because it it meant that I wasn't learning everything from scratch. I already knew how it worked, how to plan a project. And I had enough experience behind me that as bad as this is to say, I could do it all on my head um, without writing too much stuff down. So I know exactly when things need to be delivered, exactly when things have to fall into place, exactly when one supplier has to deliver before so it doesn't impact the next one. And I can plan that all out very, very easily, very quickly without writing it all down um whereas i guess a lot of people would be sort of still going through that phase and writing things down is good i'm not, I'm not saying do it all in your head um but i i often work a little bit better that, that way right. but in general uh i can do that and i can do it successfully because of the experience that i've got um so yeah so like on assembly we worked i think i worked only how many supplies did i work with it was probably Four or five different suppliers I worked with on assembly because we had lots of different pieces going together. I think it was at least five, actually, and got everything in together all right, at the right time, sorted and up at the fulfillment center, which enabled us to deliver for end of November. As I said, it was more of the personal life that got in the way than sort of the professional side of things.
1: Yeah, I think you know because Kickstarter is a beast unto itself. So people, you need know, to get a designer that comes in. It's like cool. I have this great idea. I want to bring it to Kickstarter, and and you know we're going to get this game funded and get it out to everybody. And then it's like you've got to sort of wrangle this huge beast of of Kickstarter, and you said dealing with manufacturers and all the other stuff. So um, yeah. I, I guess that can be intimidating. Someone who doesn't have a background that you know sort of facilitates that a little bit.
0: Yeah, the marketing bit's probably the hardest. It's um. It's draining is the way to put it. Uh, I, I, I enjoyed it to a certain point, but it is definitely the thing I find most draining and most tiring. Um, and it's like this time round it's it's been a lot lot harder than last time to sort of uh, do it sort of being on the social media all the time, and that side of things I, I mean working three days a week and having two children that are both running around this time and not napping as much as I would like. <laughs> um, it makes a huge difference as well. but uh yeah, it, that side of things is the side that I think I struggle with most because i I would much rather just sit in my bedroom hide behind the computer. <laughs> than just to be sort of tweeting all the time because it's like, well, who really cares about what I have to say? is sort of generally what I feel like most of the time. So it's like, people always posting pictures of board games, what they play. It's like, why does anyone actually care about what I've played? It's like my my feeling, my opinion, but you need to be pushing and doing that to get noticed. And so it's quite hard. That's why I think I prefer Twitter because you can just do sort of random little thoughts here and there and um, it feels uh, more comfortable
1: right and 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 it is important right as a female designer to have your voice out there and and have your experiences and and be visible right because there's you know sections of the community or whatever where you know i guess that's a bad thing i don't like i don't understand it but you know it, you know there is that element i guess that that you do have so it, it is definitely important for you to be out there and and be visible and active for sure
0: Yeah, it's definitely, and also just a sort of saying that anyone can do this, it doesn't matter what your background is, what your gender is, what your beliefs are, or anything, It it shouldn't matter, it should be really about your ability to do it and do the job that matters, and if someone's being held back because they don't feel that they fit in, it should really be about is their design good enough, not about whether they fit in or not.
1: Right. Now, do you have any experience with that at all, um, being, you know, lead designer at a con do people sort of like, you know, push back, you know, past you to talk to your husband and like, oh, I, you know, you must have, you know, designed. Have you experienced anything like that or no?
0: I've been really lucky in the game community. No, it's been fantastic. In engineering community. Oh, I've got stories I can tell. <laughs>
1: I can believe
0: it, I can believe yeah, it. Yeah, no, I've, I've said so, I normally cite his uh, being confused as someone as a PA when I was the technical lead and project manager um, at an events, and uh, that, that guy didn't get to live it down all night, um, I will say that, <laughs> and it was only little gentle prods here and there, and it was very amusing watching him dig a hole <laughs> as he, as the realisation sunk in that I was not someone's PA or someone's wife. But uh, yeah, it was quite amusing.
1: Oh, nice. <laughs> and uh, how did you guys uh, first get into gaming? What, what was sort of your introduction into the into the realm of board gaming?
0: Well, sorry, sir. I have a little person on my lap.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> we can't see the- them though.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Sure, she doesn't speak yet. We're we're sorted. <laughs> uh so in terms of gaming um i had lots of talking about it at work people talking about it and engineering you get lots of geeks there and stuff so uh, i've been hearing about it and came home and said to my husband what's all this about um board games and he said lucky you said that there's one arriving tomorrow so um he i'm not quite sure where he'd heard about it but he's like always was on the internet and stuff and uh, and, and listening and looking at things, so um, yeah, it just uh, happens. Happy starts that it we both it happened at the same time for both of us.
1: Okay, that's cool. And and, and what was the, what was the first game that sort of got you guys
0: involved? Uh, the, was anything staying out? The first, oops, the first game was um, Pandemic. Uh, so we yeah cooperative games, and um, we almost exclusively now use cooperative games. Uh, not use play cooperative games so did get my wording right so um yeah pandemic was the first one um absolutely loved it uh that was like the next three four months of our life um and getting every pandemic expansion we could and then we sort of slowly progressed on to flashpoint and um we did play a bit of dominion which stayed into our collection for a while but then sort of shifted out again um but yeah, we we, we realised that cooperative games are what we liked. I think one another early one was Dungeon Pets, which we still really like, and is a bit of inspiration for our games in terms of having story, not just theme. Um, is probably the way to the way to put it. Um, and really, really loved all the the sort of the rich environment that it's designed in. That even though we rarely play it now, it's still one that I'm very fond of. Um. But yeah, that was how we got into it. And uh, over time collection has grown and um, almost now exclusively cooperative games. i say less than 10% of our collection is competitive. Um, and uh, we're now moving a bit more, I think. So we went to sort of the gateway games, then went to the more complex ones. And now we're back to sort of the under 60 minute ones because that's just what life is like at the moment. So um, maybe we'll go back to longer ones again in the future, but I think it's a few years out yet.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I games that play in under an hour are perfect. We I play at work quite a bit and we just jam all of our breaks together and we'll you know take a long lunch and play. Um so so stuff that plays under an hour is just like such a great time frame.
0: Yeah, no. It, it's it's great. I mean, it's just if you're tired in the evening, um you can just spit it in or if if it's pretty quick, it's like before dinner, after dinner, while the kids are napping, really important time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it's how that's where the design game design happens in nap times um, right. but yeah it it just makes sense and if you're waiting for some other people to come or beginning of a night end of a night or if you're just not feeling up to it it's just where you can you can do something um and play something but you, you just if you're not quite ready or up to or have the time for something longer yeah, I mean, I, so one of my favorite games of all time are uh, Time Stories and the Seventh Continent. But they're sort of the things that take an entire evening or half day to play, so they don't come out very often. But I, they are my top two games of all time. Hmm. Okay, interesting.
1: One. How is it? I mean, do you do you guys just not? Um, is the aesthetic of a competitive game not really something that you're into? Like I find it interesting that you do almost. 100% co-op because I'm just such the opposite
0: <laughs> I, I'm too competitive you see yeah oh, okay <laughs> so I, I see my, my, uh, Stu he he likes to play a game just for the experience and not necessarily to win I play a game to win yeah, it, yeah. That, those two sort of things really clash um but at the same time I don't like being mean and then the two, given that we mostly play two player games in a competitive game you are directly be competing with the other player and you're directly doing something to be mean to the other player potentially so if it's, if it's a game that isn't really got take that or um your where your strategy to win is to basically screw over the other player then that's not so bad so that's why dungeon pets kind of still fits in there um Yes, where yeah, and it's like Galaxy Tracker and sort of those light-hearted things where you're not deliberately trying to screw over the other player is works kind of okay. But again, it works okay at three players. I don't mind doing competitive. So we started playing Azul more recently, Mm -hmm. and that works quite nicely at three three players and above because if you're just looking after your own interests rather than directly trying to screw over the other players, then it's kind of like oh well, look look what I've been left with. What on earth have you done? It's more of a laugh. but yes, we do enjoy the odd competitive one, but definitely higher play counts. Um, and we don't generally have higher player counts. So we go cooperatives as two players and um, we really enjoy that experience of, shared experience of trying to solve a problem together and succeeding or failing miserably.
1: That, that's so interesting. I don't know that it would scratch the itch for me. I do hardly zero co-op gaming. <laughs> And, and we do a lot of two-player, you know, play with a guy at work. I play with my brother and we play with my daughter. We do a lot of two-player stuff. And it is a lot of take that sort of, you know, abstract strategy kind of stuff. And so good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I guess it's for some and not for others. But for, for us, yeah. it, we find that it's a shared experience of working together is um, more more of a, a our camp.
1: Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I mean, all, all kinds of games for all kinds of people.
0: <laughs> Indeed, yeah, and cooperative games are quite interesting. It's uh, So it's, it's quite an assembly. It's like you're directly impacting what happens to the other player to actually make their turn harder and stuff by the actions you do on your turn. So I think there's sort of the competitive nature where sometimes people are playing. there's like the, I, I think I had one friend play and he thought it was a competitive game for some reason he wasn't hugely oh. into games and he kept making the other person lose cards and it's like you realise you're going to make us lose the game by doing this <laughs> and he said what we're working together yes yeah. oh oh dear (laughs) i completely missed the point that they were working together i was like really excited by screwing the other player over constantly not realizing that ultimately it was going to affect them as well it was it was quite amusing
1: (laughs) that's great have you do you guys do any rpgs at all or no
0: uh no we've done not not really rpgs we have done um a couple of mega games which i guess is more like live uh rpgs and um we've loved those but again it's about finding a whole day where we can abandon two children and go and have fun ourselves it's uh, a rarity at the moment but yeah we've loved the mega games
1: sure sure all right and do you guys have anything uh coming up that you're working on anything you'd like to share
0: uh what are we doing at the moment? Uh, no, I think I think at the moment it's like, get over this Kickstarter, get get it all to manufacture, get it sorted. As I said, finish what I'm doing. I've got ideas for next game. I'm sort of debating whether it would be more of a dice-based one, probably a third in the sequel, or to go for something a bit simpler. Um, yeah, I, I've not decided yet, but uh, I've, I've got a mechanic that I really, really want to try and do, but um, I'm not sure how how easy it's going to be to do um so but i am keep pushing it back because i need to get what i'm working on finished must it mustn't be distracted it's uh <laughs> <laughs> it mustn't be distracted but uh yeah i, I, just, I just, just sort of look out for us again sort of uh, early spring next year i'm i'm sure we'll have another one going at then it will be a, a sequel core expansion to what we've currently got and um yeah it'll be it'll be thematic obviously
1: Sweet. Well, we'd love to have you come on again in the spring then, when you have oh. uh, a new Kickstarter going.
0: Brilliant. Thank you very much. Yeah, well, hopefully, uh, we'll get it all. This one will be released um, to retail sort of early in 2022. Nice. Uh-huh. Very cool. And there's a little grunting from a little person that joined uh-huh. <laughs> us. Pulling on all the cables, which is now everything's falling on the floor. Don't pull the laptop off. <laughs> How, was How has my headphones got caught up? Yes, what's going on? She's <laughs> not pulling the headphones off the head uh, yet. She's quite happily watching.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we, we want to encourage everybody to check out Sensor Ghosts on Kickstarter. Uh, there's about 20 days left as of this live recording. Uh, so please go and check that out. We want to support independent game designers and cool, interesting stuff that they're doing. So please go and check that out. Um, I want to thank Janice for coming on. Uh, just get just getting a chance to talk about the Kickstarter and, and just kind of you know kind of get to know you and, and find out what you guys are doing. It's this is uh, it, it, this is the fun part for me. It's just to, to just to hang out and talk about games and game design and just uh, meet new people. So this this is a lot of fun for me.
0: <laughs> Sorry, I have a giggling child on my lap. <laughs> trying to grab the microphone. and finding it hilarious as I try to pull it away. <laughs> I'm guessing Totoro, it got a bit too boring, did it? No, you don't speak yet. Luckily, otherwise there would be a jabbering child into the microphone. <laughs> <Isn't it> great. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Right, yeah. good. She's very distracting.
1: <laughs> I had a cat on my lap for a few minutes, but he's not nearly as distracting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I just put some sort of striking rather than trying to steal the microphone and uh, everything else. Right. Right. Ah, so yeah, I guess is it worth mentioning the social media and where to find me? Yes, there
1: are some links in the show notes, but uh, go ahead and and throw out whatever uh, links and, and things, bits and bobs you want to throw out.
0: Uh, so if you want to say hi or see what I'm up to, you can follow me on Twitter. Um, I mostly tweet under Dravin, which is D-R-A-V-V-I-N. But you also find me at Ren Games across all the social media platforms, so Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, I don't get this uh, quite up quite as much, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm there. Any questions? Want to say hi? Um, or just want to see what I'm up to? Um, come and check them all out
1: cool awesome and there's links in the show notes so please follow those go check out sensor ghosts uh it's fully funded so you know there's no uh worry about whether or not you're actually gonna back something that may or may not get funded you're already there so you're assured yeah. to get an awesome game so please do that uh well, we and are all- go, go
0: ahead and if you haven't got assembly yet you can get that through the kickstarter as well so uh obviously you can get whatever we've previously produced straight through the kickstarter
1: Oh, and, and let me throw in as well, because I forgot to earlier. The playmats look amazing.
0: Oh, thank you. Yeah, there's, uh, I've, I've never done any graphic design before um, uh, Assembly. So uh, I did all that sort of stuff myself. So I'm pretty pleased with how it turned out. And there's definitely been an eye catcher at Cons, the Assembly playmat. The, uh, the Santa Ghost one looks pretty cool, but it's not quite as eye catching. So I need to make I need to make a change there. It's um, It's perfectly thematic. Um, which is probably the problem this is a bit dark <laughs>
1: <laughs> right <laughs> no, no they definitely look cool I, I, it's definitely yeah, thank cool on for sure yeah no they're, they're going to be they,
0: they're they going to be perfect i think i mean there's the sense case when we as perfect as the assembly one and the amount of comments we get on that one and just like people stopping and looking is um, pretty amazing cool awesome well,
1: again, I want to thank you for coming on and and sharing what you have going on with us, and uh, I wish we could see your 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 daughter. Is it your daughter? Yeah. I, I wish we had her on screen so people could see <laughs> the, just the overload of cuteness that's probably going on right now.
0: <laughs> She's currently trying to my watch on. <laughs> <laughs>
1: mm, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, wow. Cool. Well, thank you again. Uh, we are also on all the social media platforms, so you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, wherever. Just put Legends of Tabletop into your Google machine there, and you will find us. Uh, please check out the sponsor, Birds of a Feather Coffee. Uh, we have the Legendary Brew. Birds is a small craft batch, small batch. Well, I should know it by now. Small batch craft coffee roaster. Uh, you're going to get, if you order the legendary brew, it's brewed to, it's brewed, it's roasted to order. Oh my God, I think the baby's eating the microphone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she is, she's pulling really us it and actually trying to make a noise into it. She doesn't do noises on demand for anyone.
1: <laughs> well, she's, 19, she's
0: 19 months old. Ah, oh, such a fun age. And she's currently trying to stuff the microphone into her face. <laughs> oh, dear, you slobbered all over it. Excellent. Thank you very much, Sam.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: nothing a baby wife can't handle. <laughs> uh, yeah, or a spare sock that's just lying around. There you go. There you go.
1: <laughs> so so please check out the sponsors. If you use code LEGENDS10, you're going to get 10% off your order. Shipping is always free with Bird's Coffee. Uh, you could also use that code on the other uh, birds coffees the night owl blend the hummingbird the morning lark uh, so please check that out again thank you for janice thank you to janice for coming on and thank you everybody for checking this out and we'll catch you next time
0: okay thank you very much
1: absolutely this podcast is a proud member of the legends of tabletop broadcast network for more gaming related content please visit www.legendsoftabletop.com